Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting show here today. today. Let's broaden our minds. I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. I want tables. Arts and entertainment. And like it. There is an academic type of word I can apply. Verisimilitude. Holy moly. I'm hot today. This is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment on WMAY. I'm your host, Kevin Hart. Got a great show for you today. Going to start off with a little bit of my next episode of State of the Arts with Gus Gordon, where I talk about what's going on with arts around town and around the country and also around the world. Then, my interview with Brandon Austin, his new sitcom, Minimum Wage. Then bottom of the bargain bin with the 2003 made-for-TV remake of The Music Man. Terrible movie. You're going to hear all about it. And then ending with a little bit of Way Out Wednesday for you. Keep you laughing a little bit this weekend. It's all coming up. But first, here's State of the Arts. There was a bit of a, a bit of news uh, recently about the musical Hairspray, which originally... Um, right. It's a show that I think a lot of people have seen, but if they haven't, um, it takes place during... Um, in the 60s during the civil rights era and there mm-hmm. there's a lot of the plot centers around race relations and um there are certain characters that because of that have to be black or they have to be white and you know there are some i guess loopholes in the script where they're like well as long as you don't you know paint your face you know and it's like but then they came out recently and they said no you have to cast this as it's written which you know right. as we, we were talking even a little bit off air is like that seems like a no-brainer for a show like that. Of course. Well, it, it, you know, when that when that uh, conversation started again over the summer about Hairspray specifically, um, the, the composer and lyricist uh, Mark Shaman and Scott, gosh, I can't remember Scott's last name right now, uh, but Whitman, I think, um, they, you know, there had been productions at junior highs and high schools and community theaters that um, didn't have a diverse company of actors, and so they went ahead and did the show anyway. And then finally, the the author said, no, if you don't have the performers who fit the roles as written, then don't do the show, which is common sense for most thinking people. But, um, you know, apparently a lot of these schools just said, well, yeah, um, I don't don't have the right cast members to do this, but we're going to do it anyway and just rewrite the script. You really can't do that, and yeah. especially with something as sensitive as that is right now, yeah. and always and always should be, um, you just got to do the right thing. And I'm, I'm really glad that they came forward and made that statement that you can't do this show uh, any other way than as written, because it, it, it def- defeats the whole purpose if you don't. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's, because, yeah, the musical is more than, um, you know, oh, well, we love the songs in it, and, you know, it's a lot of fun. Right. It's like, it's like yeah, but, you know, the, you know the, that, that message is still there anyways, and you can't just say, well, you know, I just want to do whatever. No, it, it, yeah, it it is an important, you know, being a piece of, it is a piece of art, it's important, it has to, you know, not everything makes you feel comfortable, and, you know, that is, you know, that's a, another thing that makes, you know, the show is great as it is perceived by a lot of people because it's um it is very strong in that message right um, well it has great music it's a funny book but more than that it's it's an issue that is still as relevant today as it was when the show was written in the early 2000s and when the, the show was set in the 60s um unfortunately it's still so relevant and yeah. um the message is what what gives it the heart and that's that's what takes a good show and elevates it to a great show. 
and um, I, I applaud them for keeping it true and um, taking taking the option for some people who aren't as thoughtful about it just off the table. Yeah. Just do it the right way, and if you don't have the people to do it the right way, do something else. Do, do Bye Bye Birdie, do, yeah, whatever. Do, do literally like any other musical, you know, like right. the 90... 90- nine percent well i mean it's it's less than that not very much less but yeah do a do a hello dolly or a you know something i don't know right but, right yeah, yeah um you know and those are both good shows but you know just yeah but um exactly yeah the exactly. uh but another thing i wanted to talk about is um another thing is that when shows can come back um in full or very close to full capacity there were these new right. guidelines that have been set out that um are basically saying you know no more stage door hand you know shaking greeting people um after the show and um you know i haven't been to a whole lot of uh you know touring shows i've, I've been to new york sure. once but i mean you know the majority of the shows that i've been in or seen have been you know here in central illinois and you know it's always you know you want to go out after the show and see everybody and see your friends and talk to people and it seems you know right. it, it seems really you know it, i mean i guess it, it, in terms of health and safety, it's a very uh, nowadays is probably more common sense things. Okay, you, you know, you don't want to have like hundreds of people gathered in one spot, but you know, it is one right. of those things that we are so used to and look forward to seeing at the you know once a show gets over, we get to see everybody. I wonder, you know, I've, how long that's going to last, or if that's going to be just one of the new normals that we can't uh, do stage door greeting at the end of a show. I think that's probably going to um, be that way for the first months when we start doing shows again, but I think that will go away with time. Um, that is such a time-honored tradition, and it's half the fun, especially at the local level. Yeah. At the professional level, it's turned into something completely different than the way it used to be. In the old days, there used to be a handful of people waiting for the star's autograph. Now it is such a, a huge thing, at least in New York and with the touring shows in big cities, that they're, you know they have police barricades, and the actors have to try to sign their way through the the gauntlet to get to their cars to get home. And I think, I think there's been a shift in how fans react and fans think it's almost their right to have an autograph after a show (laughs) and that the actors somehow owe it to them and that they have to have a personal conversation and a personal connection from the performer's side. I mean, that it, they want to, they want to treat their fans. Well, they want to connect with their fans, but these people have limited time to go and have dinner Mm-hmm. to go let their dog out, you know, to go mm-hmm. kiss their babies or whatever yeah. and get back to the, the evening show. Um, and then more importantly, and this happened in Springfield years ago, um, Betty Buckley, who's a professional uh, performer, mm-hmm. Broadway, movies, TV. She was the mm-hmm. uh, basketball coach in Carrie, mm-hmm. um, or the coach in Carrie, uh, the movie, the Stephen King movie. But anyway, she was here in town performing a concert, and afterwards, she would sign autographs, but she had her own pen, and she wouldn't shake hands. And at the time, you kind of thought, well, that's kind of aloof. That's kind of standoffish. But yeah. she has to sing every night of her life. And how, how much are we transferring germs when we shake hands, when you hug strangers, um, you know, when you're talking right in their face? So I don't think it's a bad thing that that maybe changes because with an actor who has to do eight performances a week, 
to to chance your you know your livelihood like that to put yourself in a in a way that you could easily get a cold or the flu. Um, I mean, forget COVID for a minute. If an actor who performs in a musical, you know, one of the heavy singing musicals eight times a week, loses their voice because they got a cold from some, you know, little kid from Iowa, that that's going to hurt their livelihood and their career. There, there was a call put out by Theater in the Park uh, for next summer. Um, when, you know, looking forward, hopefully, that's, sure. you know, we'll have the theater by then. Um, they're looking for somebody to direct the children's show. So if anybody listening or watching um, is uh, interested in directing and has not or wants to direct again and uh, sees that there is uh, this option for a children's show, uh, it might be something to look yeah. at. You might want to, you know, say, hey, I've never done this before, but I've done some shows and I, you know, just, right. you know, or, you know, see what. You know, if somebody wants to put a staff together or something, I mean, I think that'd be great. You know, I, I think I think that's great. Um, I think that's a smart time to, you know, to a reasonable time for us to think we can get back to normal by next summer. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of the local groups, the, the Legacy, the Muni, have already cast their summer shows for the 2020 season that they're planning on doing in the 2021 season. And yep. I think Theater in the Park has postponed most of their shows from this year until next year. But, you know, there's going to be a few changes here and there. Oh, yeah. A few people will have moved out of town or are no longer available, um, maybe no longer fit the part that they were cast in for whatever reason. Um, there will probably be a few changes to what was planned for this summer. But I think for the most part, people are, pardon me, are you good? people are sticking to uh, what was planned. I mean, coming up um, are two performances that will be filmed, both right. in the Hoagland, um, the first one, being the uh, show you're producing, the Songs for a New World, and as well as Spirit of right. Lincoln, which is STC, also uh, resident of the Hoagland, uh, they are doing exactly. as directed by um, Hope Springfield Sherry. Theater Center. Um, you know, both are still in rehearsal mm -hmm. and haven't been taped yet, but once they're taped, I think show dates will be announced. So everyone, again, we don't have any real new news to share. Everyone's just being cautious and optimistic, and um, these will be streamed shows so we just want to you know get them in the can and then then we'll sell tickets for them and take a short break and then when we come back brandon austin this is let's talk arts and entertainment on wmay well a couple of weeks ago i talked with brandon austin who uh done shows around here did some music and now he has a new sitcom that he is both starring in and uh producing and i believe that they have just shot the pilot episode uh so brandon how you doing i'm fantastic kevin how are you today i'm doing pretty good so tell me a bit about what's going on with your show minimum wage yeah so the last time we spoke yeah we kind of talked about you know we we're going through the auditioning process and uh just trying to get everything ready and uh at this point in time we we have casted the show we shot episode one and we are wrapping up post-production uh this week so uh next week we're going to be showing uh the episode to the cast you know kind of doing like our uh our socially distanced uh watch party together yep. and then uh we'll be ready to uh, release it to everybody else i am super excited yeah me too this is really cool how so how are you gonna release it to everybody is going to be on uh um on what platform so it's going to be on uh youtube and facebook as well as we're going to have a, our own way uh our own uh, minimal wage website 
um, set up. And then also, you know, just being uh, an independent show, um, the the equipment that we used um, is, you know, very like top of the line stuff, and uh, it meets all of the um, the basic require or the minimum requirements for platforms such as Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu. Um, so we will be submitting to those platforms as an independent submission, hoping um, they like it enough to. Uh, to want to pick it up but i uh, i believe we're gonna have to shoot some more episodes before we can do that because i don't think they'll just take one episode at a time for an independent submission right well uh keep us updated on that because that's really cool that's awesome um yeah, yeah yeah phil watson with uh 217 studios he the the stuff he the, you know all the equipment the camera the boom mics everything that he uses is you know you you, you wouldn't think that it was a, a locally produced show like it you know just watching it you know as we're editing it uh it, it's just it looks phenomenal so I'm, I'm so impressed with phil and what he's able to do behind the camera and behind the computer and post-production um so yeah so we're, we're the next the next step is definitely to uh get some more episodes shot and and get those submitted to those platforms Nice. All right. So now that you get that first episode episode shot, um, and I mean, I'm sure you have plans for uh, you know scripts and everything for some of the other episodes. Give us a little taste about what we're uh, what we'll see when this comes out and what the show. I mean, you told me last time, but what the show's about. But you know, just you know, maybe a little bit of a recap and what people should be expecting. Sure. So minimum wage is it, it, it's a show about uh, it, it's a mockumentary style, so very similar to the The Office, Parks and Rec. Um, shows like that where you know you're you're they're breaking the fourth wall it's a, it's a camera uh, camera crew following these people around <laughs> they're doing talking head interviews you know just um you know very similar to like i said those other shows and uh you know it, it's following these people at a coffee shop uh, that are making you know minimum wage they're dealing with uh ridiculous customers you know everybody that's worked retail or food uh, they know, you know, the kind of things that they have to deal with every yep. day, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of customers when they come in, whether they're angry, uh, the things they request, them, you know, sending orders back for ridiculous reasons. Um, and, and we definitely play on that. And, you know, people that have been in those industries are definitely going to get a kick out of that. Like, because, you know, not only do we use, you know, you know, humor to, to tell those stories, but they're going, you know, they're going to look at these, instances and these situations and and think you know what i i've been in that exact situation and it's ridiculous so we're we're definitely using that and uh you know just uh you know there's gonna be some love stories there's gonna be some uh intense drama uh because we're we're touching on some real life uh like implications and situations as well you know aside from the comedy um we are we are going to uh to test on some deeper issues like racism and uh uh, spousal abuse, domestic violence, uh, and in subtle ways where you know comedy is the main focus of the show, but we want to make sure that you know we're, we also are, are touching on some real life stuff going on. If we if we want to make a show that's going to be based on you know real life and and, and make it seem like you know it's, it's actual situations and you know real life stuff that people deal with. We want to touch on those major issues that people also deal with every day. Yeah, that's that is really important, um, especially yeah, like you said, doing something, uh, you know, very you know, grounded in reality. You know, 
Yes, I mean, I mean, it sounds like a lot of. I mean, the first part you're talking about, like with retail, because that's what that was. My first job was working retail, and um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can tell. I'm sure there's going to be some uh, some very similar situations, but yeah, I mean, it is. You know, it's one of those things where you, you know, people's, you know, it's not, you know, not. It's just going to be, oh, you know, we're working retail and you know this, but yeah, there will be some real. I'm sure, like you said, some very uh, topical uh, things. In there, yes, so that yeah, I, you know, absolutely. It's you know, it, it it deals with a lot. You know, the, the very first episode there, we have a scene where this this lady orders a sandwich um, at the at the coffee shop, and you know, she asks for uh, you know white ranch on it. You know, like not very much ranch, and then when she gets it, she's mad that they they barely put any on there, and she wanted more than that. You know, she didn't want a lot, but she wanted more <laughs> than they put on there. So she's getting mad. She wants to talk to the person that made it. So like. It's certain people that you know, like if you work in the food industry, there's some people that you just can't make happy no matter what you do. Oh, yeah. And you know, we're just trying to we're trying to make light of those situations. And yeah, I'm, it's just it's funny all the way around, man. Just you know, even though I wrote it, just every time like I, you know, when we work on post production and we're just watching this back, I'm just laughing, and you know, I, I can't wait for other people to see it. That's good. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited to, I'm excited to see see it, and of course, see more about it. Um, so if people want to follow this production and see um, when uh, updates for it are coming out, um, f- first of all, I guess, um, when is the um, when is the date you think that it's going to be released on? And uh, how can people get more information? They follow you or, uh, so, or the uh, minimum wage if there's a Facebook page for it. Uh, what information we got there? Yeah, so uh, we can be followed on Facebook at minimum wage, the sitcom. Um, it's just minimum wage dash the sitcom, um, or uh, I, I don't think this is. Uh, I think it's minimum wage dash sitcom, um, and they can follow us on there. We're posting all the uh, uh, right now. We're every day we're posting uh, the bios and, and photos of each major character, so you can kind of learn and uh, get to know the characters before that first episode drops. So you're already familiar with them. You kind of know what to expect from these characters, um, but we definitely still throw some uh, curveballs in there and. Uh, uh, don't give everything away. And uh, for the first episode, we're actually uh, we're looking at tentatively the uh, Monday, the twenty first um, of this month, and that just all. In order for that to be confirmed, um, we're you know we're just waiting to see if we can uh, um, get somewhere together to watch the uh, you know to watch the episode as a cast first. We definitely want to make sure we can do that before we release it to everybody. So as long as we're able to get that done, you know, and watch it together uh, this week or next week, then we're planning on uh, September 21st, the Monday uh, for the for the actual premiere. All right. Nice. Well, we'll be looking out for that and make sure you follow Minimum Wage Sitcom on Facebook so that you can get more updates um, as it as the release date uh, comes quicker and uh, comes uh more how am i losing my words here uh comes closer <laughs> there we go that's you know, yes. use words kevin uh so yeah so we'll be following that and uh we'll touch base with you soon um so uh d- d- thanks once again for joining me brandon it's great absolutely kevin always good to talk to you thanks talk- a lot thank you gonna break for news and then when we come back bottom of the bargain bin with the music man it's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Kevin Hart. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Bottom of the Bargain Bin. Now, Disney did a lot of remakes of musicals in the 90s to early 2000s. Most of them readapted these, like Annie and Bye Bye Birdie, which were successful movies on their own, but strayed very far from the original source material. So, when something like The Music Man comes along, it doesn't need that. Morton DaCosta, who directed the Broadway production, which was the Tony-winning Broadway production, and ran for several years, Morton DaCosta did the movie and brought back the original star... Robert Preston, and literally almost entirely just recreated it shot for shot, song for song, scene for scene, step for step, every single thing. So, why did this need a remake? Sure, we'll do a little new reimagining of it, but around this time, 2003, this is when the TV movie was made, 2000 was the year they did the Broadway revival, and it made a lot of changes to the show. Some of them were completely new, like changing up the orchestrations, changing some of the dances. But even in that revival, there was sort of a, you know, there was a new twist on it that had not been seen before. Uh, So this new movie was based a little bit on that 2000s revival, but still attempts to do its own thing and... The results kind of vary. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the story of The Music Man, a quick rundown is that Harold Hill, or at least that's the name he goes by, is a traveling salesman who sells uh, marching bands to towns that are in desperate need of them. They don't know they're in trouble yet, but they will once Harold Hill comes to town. So he tries to swindle this entire town, this fictional town of River City, but he gets caught up in a lot of different characters, and for the first time in his life, it seems like this might not be as easy to swindle as some of the other towns, so I love this show. I love the original movie. I did the musical a couple years ago. I've seen it before. I think I just love the score, so there was this other movie of it, and I really wanted to watch it, but Yeah, I saw it a long time ago and forgot how weird this movie is. Because it readapts the musical, and as far as the script and the placement of songs and everything goes, it is almost exactly the same in that regard. So I'm going to do a bit of a comparison to see why this version does not work as well as the original. Let's start off with just the songs. And I'm going to be going through the songs. And before we even get to the songs, let me just say that this... TV movie really, really loves to do this thing where it takes a song and where they would normally be singing it and, you know, performing it to the camera or something. They decide, we'll just have the character do something like, oh, maybe they'll be doing dishes or they're doing yard work or they're trying to complete some task, but they're singing and belting their lungs out while they're doing it. And this is for almost every single song in this movie. Aside from, obviously, something like Shapoopy, where they're dancing, or Till There Is You, which is the love scene, a lot of these, like Wells Fargo Wagon, even some of the somber songs, like My White Knight, they're doing stuff. Like, uh, I just don't understand that. I think it's a weird choice to make. Anyways, let me go through the songs individually. The first one, Rock Island, is the train ride from Brighton to Rock Island, which conveniently takes about three minutes the length of the song but 
Oh, my goodness. So here's the thing about Rock Island. The I read a book a while ago about the making of this musical from Meredith Wilson, who wrote The Music Man. And Rock Island originally had underscoring under it, and uh, they didn't really think it fit very well. What ended up in the final Broadway show and in the original movie is a song that is a cappella, and essentially a rap. They're rapping to the beat of the train. There was a real steam engine on stage in the Broadway production. Of course, the big budget Hollywood movie. They're on a train that's, you know, it's, it's in front of a green screen. You can tell in the HD versions. But, you know, they're on a train. And, you know, they're you know, they're rapping to the of the train. For some reason, this TV movie brings back that orchestration and plays it halfway through. And... Ever meet a fella by the name of Hill? Hill. 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 No. Just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. Never heard of any salesman, Hill. Now, he doesn't know the territory. Doesn't know the territory? What's the fella's line? Never worries about his line. Never worries about his line. Or the Cracker Barrel being obsolete, or the you need a biscuit in an airtight sanitary package. Yeah, it does not sound that good in my opinion. Some people might like it. But I really just does not need to be there. Then when Hill gets off the train, he goes into River City, Iowa, where you get the song Iowa Stubborn. He meets the people of River City, and they are welcoming, but they are also very, very, very stubborn. Here is the trouble with the song. Um, it, it plays out almost exactly the same in both of them, um, with just the TV movie ending with them all taking a picture. But, you know, they all end up in a big formation as they would have in the stage show however the original movie does this you know does a good job of showing how you know lackaday and oh uh, of these people fine looking animal for a horse yeah the remake everybody's walking around like they're on their way to their job or they or they missed something I, I don't know look at the fast everyone's going you know it doesn't seem like this oh like a day i wins who i'll give you the shirt off your back it's just such a, such a clean number in this version which is not that it should be sloppy and not sound good but it just doesn't it doesn't capture the iowa stubbornness that well then we go to trouble this is the first big song in the show essentially a monologue very much like rapping at the beginning but let's talk about our star matthew broderick in this version um matthew broderick is a good actor and he's even a good singer and dancer He's done a great job in stuff like The Producers, and even in the 90s, he played Finch in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and, you know, there's certain roles he can do. Harold Hill, in The Music Man, is not one of those roles that he's good at. I'm sorry, I am sure Matthew Broderick is very nice in person, I don't have anything against him, but this is not the role for him. This feels not so much like he's... Because they're so... This is such a dialogue-driven song that he is telling these people, you know, he's riling them up. It's a slippery slope argument. And, you know, there's meaning behind every word. And he's, But he's really just sort of, you know, firing off the lyrics more so than... Tailor-maids like cigarette teams and bragging all about how they're going to cover up a telltale breath with sense and one fine night. They leave the pool hall heading for the dance at the armory. Libertine men and scarlet women in ragtime. Shameless music that'll grab your son, your daughter, with the arms of a jungle. Animal instinct mass. Terrier. Friend the idle brain 
Green is the devil's playground trouble. You know, take, for example, Robert Preston, the original Harold Hill. You can tell he puts meaning behind every single thing he's saying. They leave the pool hall, heading for the dance at the armory. Libertine men and scarlet women and ragtime. Shameless music that'll grab your son, your daughter, with the arms of a jungle animal instinct, masteria. Friends, the idle brain is the devil's playground trouble. Oh, and that, like, this is what's gonna, this, 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 and, you know. Matthew Broderick's just kind of reciting the lines, going back and forth through the pool hall. Eh, it's not that great. The next song is where we meet Marion the Librarian and her mother and her brother, Winthrop, as well as Amaryllis, who's one of her piano students. They do the piano lesson, and Marion sings Goodnight, My Someone. It's almost exactly the same, so I'm not really going to go over it. The next song, 76 Trombones. This is the big song of the show. Everybody knows the song. It's in the overture. It's in the entre act. It's in all the incidental music in the show. I mean, this is the song. Seventy-six trombones led the big parade with a hundred and ten cornets close at hand. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuosos, the cream of every famous band. And it blows in this version. I mean, horrible. Horrible. It's one of the worst parts of this, and it's unfortunate because I love this music. When I was re-watching this and re-watching the original movie, I was just remembering I love this music so much. And just like I'm just bumping along to the music, and this just God, this is just one of the worst versions of this song. Seventy-six trombones caught the morning sun with a hundred and ten cornets right behind. There were more than a thousand reeds springing up like weeds. There were horns of every shape and kind. You know, again, a similar problem to trouble. Matthew Broderick is just kind of performing the song he's trying to hey i mean it's this one's more of like he's selling the band to everybody as a salesman but i mean my goodness he's just like you know if he's not like mugging and not like in a creative little way just sort of like winking or doing uh, things of that nature i mean you know he's just kind of doing his little thing where he waves his arms around and bugs out his eyes and then the dance break is ruined and it's not good either one of the best songs in the show ruined next one is sincere it's a nice cute little song about falling in love they sing it at an ice cream shop in this version because the first thing he does is goes ice cream ice cream ice cream ice cream to all of them and sadder but wiser girl i must say i do like how they do this song in this version i like the little bumpy honky tonk sort of thing they do with it but oh goodness again 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 matthew broderick is just mugging and bugging out his eyes and uh, i'm sorry i know he is a good actor and other things but i cannot take him in this role and again why do they always have to be doing something pick a little talk a little feels very claustrophobic they're in a hat shop again song sounds fine but now i'm going to talk about one of the big quite literally reasons the original movie works so much better than this one, and it has to do with how you watch it, the aspect ratio. The TV version is in full screen, which is as big as a TV would have been around that time. And I think they do about as good as they can probably do with that limitation. And apparently there's a widescreen version, but I've I've never seen it, so I don't know if it's like cropped or what, but... With the original movie, it was shot in 
this grand anamorphic widescreen, and you can see very clearly when I say he recreated the stage show, you can see that just all these songs and dances are done almost exactly as they were done on stage. And I know for some people, when they watch movies, maybe that's not what they want to see. For me, I like that they did that. It's, it's cool to see. So when you take these big dance numbers and put them into this TV movie, it, it just doesn't work as well. And speaking of how the movie looks... The original movie is so colorful. It's in Technicolor, sure, but this movie is just so dull-looking. It's so washed out. Marion the Librarian is the next song, the dance in the library. So there's a joke in this song that's in the show in the original movie where Harold Hill, he says, I'm going to drop these marbles, and at the end of the song, he reveals he actually had marshmallows in it, so he's screwing with her the whole time. But in this one, he actually has marbles. I just think that's a weird design choice, and... I guess Hill's a little more chaotic in this version. I mean, those eyes, I don't know. Gary, Indiana. This is one of the changes that I actually do enjoy that they did in this version. They kept putting Gary, Indiana earlier in the show. Don't have much to say about it. It's almost exactly the same. And then another thing I will give this TV movie credit for is My White Knight, which I mentioned a little earlier, but this is a song that was in the stage show that ended up being cut from the original movie. They kept, like, the bridge of it, but wrote a new song sort of around it. I'm not a huge fan of that song, and I wasn't a huge fan of My White Knight, but it's grown on me, and I think it's a beautiful song. Good, Kristen Chenoweth is fine, but again, why do people have to do just do little tasks as they're singing. Can nobody park and bark in this movie? The Wells Fargo Wagon is it's the exciting, catchy Act 1 stinger. It plays out very similarly, but, eh, you know, just not as good as the original. It's You, one of the quartet's songs. Again, I'm glad they added this one back into the show. Lie to Rose and Will I Tell You. Now, as much as I love the original movie, and you can probably already tell I like it a lot more than this version... I will say that the original movie, with a very dated sort of side-by-side -side technique, just does verbatim what's on stage, basically looking like, here's the spotlight on this side of the stage, this side of the stage. I think it looks cool, but obviously this is not, you know, cinematically one of the best things ever. But I would take it over what they're doing here. It's shot in this, like, weird, you know, battlefield earth. Everything's shot at an angle. But then it's, like, cross-faded into each other. Shapoopy! The, oh my god, how could they screw this one up? I mean, even Family Guy, which, albeit Family Guy just recreated it exactly, much like, you know, this movie did with its original stage show. But they took the song and they just made it bland and blah i mean you know with the color scheme and then they change the orchestrations they change the dancing and it just is really just flat not exciting not this big elaborate dance number just this hey well shapoopy's in the musical so we have to do it here the big lovely stinger till there was you is fine Kristen chenoweth does a good job and we get to hear matthew broderick's tenor voice but i never Then we get to the finale of the movie. Again, plays out almost exactly the same. And with the magic of 2003 CGI, this stick turns into a baton, and they march to the end of the movie. All right. No, I don't like this movie at all. I love the music, and, you know, maybe I would get the soundtrack for it, but 
Goodness gracious. And you know what? The, the thing is, I didn't talk a whole lot about the ensemble because the ensemble is fine. I mean, they're great. Most of them are fine. Molly Shannon is really funny. Victor Garber is really funny. Christian Chenoweth does a good job. But uh, Matthew Broderick just brings the whole thing down. If you look at the original movie, they had several people from the original cast. Of course, Robert Preston, but they also had Pert Kelton, who played the mother on Broadway. They had the original Barbershop Quartet from the musical. And look! There's Ron Howard. Yes, that's actually Ron Howard. That is a very young Ron Howard playing Winthrop in the original movie, who, of course, would go on to, uh, you know, do one or two things. This movie does almost nothing new, and the things it does new are not needed and not good. Take a short break, and when we come back, Way Out Wednesday on the weekend. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Way Out Wednesday. Go ahead. Uh, Sorry, I, I was just going to say, is it Wednesday already? But start over. It is Wednesday already. How about that? I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. And yes, it's, it is it's Wednesday. Way out Wednesday. I didn't, it doesn't feel like Way Out Wednesday because yeah. of the short week. Yeah. I apologize. So, I jumped the gun there. Hey, it's okay. We'll do a, we'll do a, a, a Tuesday-ish Wednesday edition. Can we edit this in post? Mich- no. Oh, uh, anyways. Let's just go with it. What do you have first for us, Kev, on this so, Way Out Wednesday? Wow! Wow! What I have today is so gender reveal parties. These are terrible. These... Why do you keep having these people? Yeah, so... No one cares. So here's how you do... Like, so my sister had a gender reveal party, oh, and um, well, I, I, I don't feel great about them either. But, I mean, she was my sister, of course. So I was excited. There. Yeah, because I want to meet my new... Turned out to be a niece. Okay. And what they did was they had a small confetti cannon and they shot off pink confetti right, in that, my backyard. That's not objectionable. That's that was fine. that was it. Like that's that's you know simple you can do. I'm now, feeling this go this story goes awry. Otherwise, it'd not be way out Wednesday. Well, it does because you know you've seen sometimes on Facebook or other websites you see these big gender reveals where they do all sorts of you know and then you're getting into the uh, I like the ones where they use like golf balls and gets the guy gets hit in the nuts. Yeah, I, that's one of my that's one of my favorite ones. But what transpired here? What went so awry Is, here? So this party, this gender reveal party, they wanted to use pyrotechnics and make this Bad big, idea. elaborate, Bad you know, idea. in California. Now, oh, even worse now, idea. Fires in California. What? Uh, anything? You know, any problem there? You see? No, not at all. No, except that they started a wildfire that. Has since grown to 8,600 acres. That is of Monday, uh, and only 7% contained. Not good. Here's what I say needs to be the retribution before we go to the next story quickly. I think once they get their nursery all put together, the small woodland creatures are going to come and set fire in the nursery. Yeah. That only seems fair. That's only fair. And maybe this is a sign, because this is not the only time that this has happened to wildlife, that somebody has burned a... There was another story about it. Reveal. Yeah, so so maybe maybe this is a sign to not do any more gender reveal parties. Nice. I think that would be a really good idea. You have a story about creatures next, though, right? I do have a creature. This is a creature I had no idea existed. You know, it's kind of like um, it's not a liger, but when you found out about a liger from Napoleon Dynamite, you're like, that's a real thing. Uh, this is a beefalo. I a did beefalo? not know this thing existed. A beefalo. It is a cow and a bison or a buffalo put together. I bet you that's delicious. I bet it I'm is. I'm sorry to any vegetarians or vegans out there, but a beefalo sounds delicious. A beefalo, a, a like a veal, like a... Mm, oh, oh, God. Ah, that'd be so good. Instead of beefaroni, we get beefalo. Yeah, but we won't know because this beefalo escaped. Oh, and, no. and they were saying, hey, 
this thing is dangerous, so uh, watch out for it. I think it sounds dangerously good. No, what do you think? I think it sounds dangerously good. Also sounds like a terrible B-movie uh, horror movie. The B- Beefalo is uh, out to get you. Uh, Beefalo starring a... Uh, Beefalo Revenge. Star- starring a... Uh, sounds like a husky, husky gigolo. Hi, I'm Beefalo. <laughs> Beefalo. I'm here to be your escort tonight. <laughs> Call me Beefalo. Uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of... Escorts. I don't know if that's actually a segue for this one, but speaking of uh, world records. World records. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Let me introduce you to Craig Sharp of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, who's on a quest to break the Guinness World Record by seeing the new Christopher Nolan film Tenet 120 times in the theater. Not within his life, in the theater. Apparently, the record right now owned by a woman in Australia who saw Bohemian Rhapsody 109 times last year. Uh, you, the rules are, though, you have to watch it while it's in the theater. Once it goes to be downloaded or it shows up on a streaming service, it's no longer first run. Yeah. So he's hoping to get this done by in the next 30 days. Well, 100 and, 120 times. In th- that's four times a day to see this movie. Yeah, and that's so... What movie could you watch four times a day? Uh, maybe RoboCop. Other than that, I couldn't think of any others. But, okay, Dude so, Wears My Car, maybe? Dude Wears My Car, yeah. No, but, like, oh, my goodness. I can't, like, even something like RoboCop, I don't think I've seen it 120 times in my yeah, life. I don't think I could watch a movie that many times in my life, let alone in 30 days while it's in the theater. I mean, God, that is... He said it's a perfect movie. He saw it 16 times as of uh, the first week it came out. So well, that's good. Ad- God bless you, Mr. Good, Sharp. Good advertising, says Christopher Nolan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And finally, today in Way Out Wednesday, we started with a fire uh, from a gender reveal party. We end with a fire from an electric bug zapper where an 80-year-old man was trying to kill a fly in his kitchen and set the kitchen on fire because he had an electric bug zapper. It's like a tennis racket that scorped. Apparently, according to this, it actually burns the fly the moment there is contact. Well, that's great, but why would you use it inside? <laughs> why, Indeed. Whatever happened to just a good old fly swatter? You're 80. 80 year olds and technology don't end well. Uh, Use a. Here, hey, guess what? You know what else you can do? Instead of burn your damn house down, you can do this. That's yeah. how you kill a fly. Just yeah. like Iwo Jima! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not an electric fly zapper. No, you don't need that. You know what? By you the way, can. The words electric and fly never to be used together. Nope. Bad idea from the get go. You clap above the fly, it flies into your hands and you kill it. I Tip like of the it. Wednesday. I like it. You missed a segment? Hello? Hello? Anybody home? You can find it at WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment. You can hear the full show, some of the clips, some of the things you might not even hear on the air. Interactive appetite. Searching for a website. A window to the world. Got to get online. Take a spin. Now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. Thank you once again for listening in. I'll see you next week here at 11 a.m. WMAY.